tough week with a lot going on and um, felt like real um, this heaviness on my heart. And I had so many men calling me, you okay, Pastor? You okay? I'm good. I really am, man. I had to get in that secret place, though, because you can't get that off of you by someone else praying for you. You got to get along with Jesus and you got to get stuff off you and get him on you. Amen? You know, um, it's easy to go, it's Thanksgiving week and everybody's calling you, telling, hey, we're going to be out of town, we're going, we're traveling. And it's great because we want people to be with family because that's so important. But after a while, you hear about 150 calls of people saying, hey, we're going to be gone this week. Pretty soon you're like, oh my Lord, is anybody going to be, anybody going to be at church today? And uh, we're full. God gave us a full house, and I thank the Lord for that. But you know what? In, in, in your mind, though, apathy starts to set in. And they go, oh, well, it's just a Sunday. You know, we're just going to do it, and we'll just get through it. And the Holy Spirit began dealing with me and said, no, no, you don't ever, ever approach a Sunday as just a Sunday. We're meeting with God. And I, I, God gave me this word on spiritual apathy, and I believe it's a now word for our church. You know, last week God spoke to me about the three-chord strand and, and how we need each other, that not only do I need, a, a like Randy was saying, a, a vertical relationship with God, but I also need horizontal relationships with others, and how a three-chord strand is not easily broken. But then the Holy Spirit began dealing with me about how many in the body of Christ are living with spiritual apathy. And here's the definition of spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy is a feeling of indifference or even coldness to the things of God. Let me just tell you, it can affect any Christian, even the one that is fully sincere about the, his or her faith. It can affect everybody in this room. And let me tell you, it will affect you at some point in your walk with the Lord. They will come on you, or maybe it's sitting on you now, a spirit of indifference. Christianity was never meant to be a Sunday event. Come on. Christianity was never meant to be a Sunday-only experience, nor was it meant to be a church-only experience. And when you're living that way, it's spiritual apathy. It's when you're, you're coming and you're doing the right things, but it doesn't have any fire. It doesn't have any passion. It doesn't have any joy. It's just, it's just an experience. And when you're living that way, the enemy comes in with this apathy. When you're living Sunday to Sunday... True Christianity is this. It is a beautiful and exciting, never-ending relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I said? It's beautiful and exciting. It's not an experience. It's a relationship. An ongoing, passionate, exciting relationship. It's not just reading our daily bread and praying over our meal before we eat our meal. Because that's what Christianity has been, has been relinquished to in so many people's hearts. It's go to church on Sunday, say prayer before you eat, read a little bit of Scripture, and then, okay, I'm a good Christian. And I'm telling you, that's not the, the church that Jesus died for. That's not a picture of the New Testament church. The, enemy, the enemy's most effective weapon is isolation because we're built for meaningful relationships. And when he can get you going Sunday to Sunday without a meaningful relationship with him, he causes you to operate in this spiritual apathy in your life. Because when you're in right relationships with Jesus and you're in right relationships with others, it's when you begin to operate in your best version of you. There's a best version of you. 
And when you start operating in that and you start hitting on all cylinders and you, you become active in your faith, the enemy will come in and try to put on you this coldness, this apathy, this, this, this spirit that wants to come over us and, and make us feel indifferent about everything. So many Christians have lost their fire because of everything we've been through in the last two years, because of everything that's going on in the world. It's easy to just get apathetical in your walk with the Lord. New Testament Christianity should never be boring. We have this team that's going out every week, and they sent me videos even this morning as they went to Coastland Mall and were walking through the mall praying for those that were sick. They just walk around asking God to show them who to pray for and who, who, the, who, who they should minister to. And person after person would be coming up to them and they're just laying hands on them and praying them with them. And you look at this joy that's on the disciples' face. You look at this joy that is on their face. They, they're out there doing something. They're not just going to church on Sunday. So many Christians have lost their fire. They've lost their passion. New Testament Christianity should never be boring. It's the spirit of apathy. The spirit of apathy is a self-defense mechanism from the pit of hell. It closes your mind, it hardens your heart, and it partners with isolation in order to breed failure in your life. Listen, you could be in church and doing ministry and get a spirit of apathy over you. It happens all the time. It tried to get on me, and it often tries to get on me. And I have to keep shaking it off. I have to keep going back into that, into that secret place with the Lord. And, and, and sometimes Bobby say, what's the matter? Nothing's the matter. I just got, I got to go get with him. I got to go be alone with him. I got to hear his voice. I got to feel his presence. I got to experience his love. Why? Because I've got to pour out. And if you're pouring out all the time and you're not refilling it, something's going to mess up. There are so many Christians that come to church with the spirit of apathy. They lead worship. They sing. They serve in ministries. I have pastor friends that I love dearly, even in this city, that are pastoring their churches with a spirit of apathy. There's no vision for the future. There's no expectancy for what God's going to do. It's just they, 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 they minister to those that come, and there's no, there's no fire to take a city. It happens all the time. They're evangelists. Evangelists that have the gift of communication, that memorize sermons, and they have their sermons memorized, and the Word is powerful, and the Word is preached, and people will get touched, and people will get healed. But when you spend time with them, you just see their countenance, and they're just apathetical, and they're, they're just going through the motions. You can learn the songs. You can memorize the chords. You can play the music. You can put the smile on and sing the Word, and the Word will get results. But if you're living in apathy, you're a miserable person. And it happens all the time. They've lost their joy. Their home life is a mess. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 25, and it's, it's one of my favorite parables. And I want you to read it with me and look at it because it's about the bridegroom. And we know Jesus is the bridegroom. Let's look at Matthew 25, and it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. 
Everybody, if you would, I'll read out of the New King James, but you follow along in the translation that you have and just read it. Maybe mark on it on this day that this was preached on this day. On November the 21st, God spoke this. But just, let's read it together. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise. Jesus is saying this. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. He relates to them and he says, five wise, five foolish. We're foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their lamps and vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. I believe this is prophetically speaking to the church. I think it's talking to the believers, and he's saying, look it, you've got to get this into your heart. Go out to meet him. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Verse 7, and then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. They were burning, but they were going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Verse 10, and while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. The door was shut, and afterwards the virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, surely I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. Ten virgins going to see the bridegroom. I think this was a parable about the church. They were all going to see Jesus. They all had lamps, and they all had oil in their lamps. They were the same. But Jesus said five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They're dressed the same, going in the same direction, going to see the bridegroom. And this parable is speaking to us. And listen, and, and, and this is talking to the church. Most of the people in this room would be considered the church. Some of you may be outside. But you're, you're not living with divine faith in your heart. You've never committed your life to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to give you an opportunity to be a part of the family of God. We're going to, at the end of the service, I'm going to give an invitation for you to make a decision to give Jesus your heart and to give him your life. Because this is not an, a, an exclusive group. This is an inclusive group, and we want to include you in the number. And I want you to be a part of it. They all had oil in their lamps. Their lamps were burning. Most of you have oil, but some of us have let apathy set in, and we don't have enough oil. So how do you know if you've got enough oil? How do you know if there's enough oil in your lamp? Let me ask you just a few questions, and maybe the Holy Spirit can speak to you about if you have enough oil. How easily do you get mad? Somebody says something to you, flips you off, rolls down their window, pulls up beside your car, and starts screaming at you. How easily do you get mad? Do you get mad quick? Are you living like an angry bird Christian? <laughs> well, let me ask you, 
just, just being real, like, how do you know if you've got enough oil? What's it take to get you to fall into temptation? What does the enemy have to do? Who does he have to put in front of you? What does he have to send in front of your eyes to cause you to fall into temptation? You want to know if you have enough oil? How easily, how easily does the enemy come in and, 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 and cause you to fall and stumble? Everybody can fall. Anybody can stumble. I'm just telling you. But let me tell you something. When you're full of oil... Are you doing Christianity in isolation? Is it all about you? Is, are you selfish? Do you love God and church but feel disconnected personally in your spiritual life? Because there's a bunch of, uh, this is hitting a whole lot of people that are in the room. What, what comes out of you when you get squeezed? Is it oil? Is it the love of God? When you're squeezed, what comes out of your life? Let me ask you, what comes out of your mouth? <laughs> I made a joke. I, I was serious about it. I called two people in the, in, this week for first-time guests. Two people. And I welcomed them to church, said welcome. And two of them in the conversation cussed. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm sorry. They were visitors. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't you. <laughs> What's coming out of your mouth? The Bible says, right, Jonathan, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not oops. What's in? Do you have enough oil? I, I don't know. I, I can't answer the question for you, but I can tell you the Holy Spirit said, look, we got to get apathy out of our hearts. What are you thinking about? You want to know if you have enough oil? Listen, here, here's the thing. You cannot control what thoughts come into your head, but you can control what you do with them. You may cut me off, and I may have a thought in my head that I'm going to get up there and yell at you, but I'm not going to let that thought dominate my life, and I'm not going to meditate on that thought. And when you squeeze me, that's not coming out of me. You can't control your thoughts, but you can control what you're thinking on. What, you, you want to know, do you have enough oil? What do you think about all week long? Are you thinking about, how do I get another customer? How do I get another client? How do I get another listing? How do I sell this house? How do I do this? And how do I do that? And how do I get this? And how do I do this? Is, is, is that the meditation of your heart? Because if it is, if that's the way you're living... Because there's pressures, man. When you're in the marketplace, when you're, living, when you're working for somebody or you're running a business, there's a lot of pressures and a lot of things going on. But you have the power to make a decision. What am I going to think on? Yes, you got to do that. You can't let things go. But you got you to get the right thoughts in your head. And that only comes from spending time in his presence. Are, do you live with unspeakable joy? Like, I can't explain it. I'm just happy. I can't explain it. There's joy in my heart. I can't explain it. I, I walk through these trials, and I walk through this heaviness, and I go home and close the door and go, <laughs> I'm good. But I was like, are you okay? Honey, I am good. I am really good. Let's go do something. Let's get out. Let's go. 
Why? Because I care about your burdens and I care about your problems and I am a pastor that deeply cares and wants to be there for you. But let me tell you something. When it's all said and done, I got to let all that go. I got to get in this secret place and I got to get filled with oil. Oil. I need the oil. I need his presence. I need his power. I need his love. I need to know who I am in Christ. I need my identity in Christ to be for sure. Let me just ask a few more questions. Is there peace or chaos in your home? Is there apathy in your marriage? Do you still have a marriage bed or do you have a couch? I'm just saying. I want oil in my home. Right? I want his presence. Oh, I want his love to, to permeate through my life and my actions so that Bobby sees the love of God in my heart always. And if we have a moment where it seems like we're clashing and it seems like we're just coming to, okay, we got a little situation. We need to both get in our secret place and come back out and go, no, 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 no. There's peace in our home. In this parable, they had oil in their lamps. They were burning, but they didn't have enough oil. If you can just get a visual of a big barrel of oil sitting on the stage all the way to the brim, like, like all the way where you can see it kind of cresting over the brim of the barrel, so much so that when you walk on the stage, it's so full you don't want to step too hard because the shake of your step would cause that oil to run off onto the floor and stain the carpet. This is how we're called to live as believers in a New Testament church. That we are so filled to overflow with the oil that no matter who bumps into us, no matter who runs into us, when we step into a room, the atmosphere of the room changes. The aroma, the smell of his presence changes every atmosphere. We are called to live in the overflow of his love. We're not called to be those who are half full. Half full that you can kick the barrel and you can move the barrel, roll the barrel over and nothing would spill out of it. That's not how we're called to live in a New Testament church. We are called to live in the overflow. So the oil of God's love is flowing to every sinner, to every homeless guy, to every prostitute, to every drug addict, to every hurting man and hurting woman that steps into this room. Do you understand why people are coming to destiny? Do you understand why we're getting 11 first-time visitors last week, 19 first-time visitors the week before that, 11 first-time visitors, or 16 visitors before that? Why in one month have all these people come to destiny? Because the noise is out. The word is out. There's a rumble in the air that if you want the Holy Spirit, run to destiny, church. In men's group, Thursday night, a man was sitting in men's group. First time to our church, had never been to our church before, just came to men's group. Told Robert Townsend, our men's director, that he was sitting in his church, sitting there at the service, and leaned over to a man he did not know and say, man, he said to the guy beside of him, man, I just need more of the Holy Spirit. And the man sitting behind him said, well, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, you need to go to Destiny Church.
That's what he told them. And here's the thing. If you and I aren't careful, we sit here and think that we have some kind of reputation that the Holy Spirit is here and the music is right and the preaching is right and everything's good and we sit there on our cute little tails and expect that God's going to show up when it's not that way. The anointing of the Holy Spirit comes in a corporate way when every person in this room is overflowing with oil. Don't get apathetical and think that it's just going to happen because Miss Gail sings an anointed song or because the preaching. You better understand, you have a responsibility under the banner of heaven to get in the secret place and get your life saturated with the oil of God. Get the sin out of your life and demand not his presence. Amen. Revelation 2, 1 through 5, the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, he who walks in the middle of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and what you cannot bear, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have uh, preserved and you have preserved and have patience. And have labored in my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, this is the parable that we just read in Matthew 25. Nevertheless, I have someone against you because you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent, do your first works over, or else I will come quickly, quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is like a warning. It's a, it's a clarion call to the church. The Spirit of God is possessing people who are hungry for Him. I want to be on the wise side of faith. I want to be full of oil. The parable says at midnight, a cry came out that the bridegroom had come. And oftentimes, you know, I've preached that midnight is the darkest time, and it really is the darkest time, but I really believe prophetically that midnight speaks of a new day. I believe prophetically midnight is speaking of a new day. And I believe the Lord is speaking to our church and saying we're coming into a new season. Don't rest on what God did yesterday. You get to the altar. You get to the presence. You get your life saturated in oil because it's a new opportunity. I believe God is really, that this is a real pivotal time for some of you in your relationship with God. God's calling you out of isolation into intimacy. It's a new day. You got to make a decision to heed the call. Verse 10, and while, the, while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. In Scripture, usually when there's intimacy with Jesus, there's usually a door. There's usually a door. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with him and he with me. Intimacy, door. Matthew 6.6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray your heavenly Father who sees you in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in the secret place will reward you openly. It's midnight, and there's a new opportunity Apathy says, I already have oil in my lamp. My lamp is burning. His presence has to be the utmost priority in our lives. We all need fresh oil, right? 
Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is everything to the New Testament believer. Why? Why is, the New Te- Why is the Holy Spirit everything to us? Because the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And this whole Christianity thing is all about Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm the door. Jesus is the doorway to success. The secret place has to be the hingeman for everything that our life swings on. Everything. Your business, your job, your marriage, your children, your family, your college. Everything that you're going to do in life has to hinge on the presence of Jesus Christ. The intimacy with him. When the bridegroom came, they tried to borrow oil. And I'm sure they would have loved, the other five would have loved to have given them some of their oil. I'm sure they would have loved to say, hey, we'll, we'll take a, but they couldn't. They said, no, we can't. We can't do it. We would if we could, but we can't do it. He said, you got to go buy your own oil. And let me tell you something. There's a price for intimacy with God. There's a price. There's a call that says, come on, get along with me. Stay with me. Let me change you. Let me mold you. Let me create in you what I want to create in your heart. You can't live on my secret place. I can preach to you. I can tell you. You can spend a little time with me, and you can say, boy, Pastor Greg's real. He's real. He's real. Yeah, I'm real, and I'm going to keep fighting to be real. But let me tell you something. You can't live on my oil. You can be encouraged on my oil. You can be strengthened on my oil. You can rejoice that I'm there with you in your trials. But let me tell you something. There comes a place in every man or every woman's life where you got to fight for yourself. you got to pay the price, and you got to get the oil on your life. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? Don't we have a lamp that has oil? Don't we have a little bit of oil in our lamp? And many will say in that day, we cast out demons in your name. Many wonders were done in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why? Because you got to get oil for yourself. They had enough oil to get to the door, but they didn't have enough oil to get in. Think about that. This is heavy, but it's the Bible, man. I'm not sugarcoating it for any of us. I'm just telling you. It can happen to me. It can happen to you and every person in this room where you just show up and you go through the motions of Christianity, but you've not been saturated in his love. Psalm 37 and verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen, if you're writing something down, write this down. Delight comes with discipline. Delight comes from discipline. You've got to discipline yourself. There's a doorway into a new door. I mean, yeah, there's a doorway into a new day. But it may require more oil than you have. It may require extra oil. Jesus said five of them had extra oil, and they were called wise. This is a crazy time we're living in, guys. It's everywhere. When you flip on that news, you have no idea what you're getting ready to get into. You have no idea what's going to happen that day. And I'm 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 just telling you, you need more oil. Hey, Brian, we got to be oil hoarders. Like, I'm hoarding oil, man. 
I want all I can get, Roger. I want more. I'm not satisfied with what we've done. I'm not satisfied with what's happened. I want more. I want people healed. I want people saved. I want people set free. I want to see families restored, wholeness in homes. I want to see us on fire for God. And you can't live this thing in a lukewarm condition. It's so easy to feel like we have enough oil. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about infatuation, man. Are you infatuated with his word? Are you infatuated with his presence? Have you gotten so close to him that you can't, I'm telling you what, we've gotten so close, we can't stand to be away from each other for hours. In a couple hours, we're on the phone. Where are you at? What you doing? Where are you at? After 33 years of marriage, it's like we can't get enough of each other. Why? Because I'm infatuated with this woman. And let me tell you something. I'm infatuated with him. I can't stand to go a day where I'm just talking to people and helping people and caring for people. i got to get alone with him. I need his oil. I need more oil. I need more presence. I need more power of God in my life for me. Are you there? Are you infatuated with him? Man, Derek, when you came down here, I got you listening to Dan Moeller, my friend Dan Moeller. I love Dan. Dan and I talk quite often. And I love that I, I got Derek listening to Dan Moeller. And you got so fired up. Like, I'm going to, man, you were just ready to just do whatever God said. Here it is. How many months you been living here? Six months? And it's so easy to just go, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I'm just Okay. I got a relationship. I got a good girl. She loves me. I love her. We got this relationship. But God didn't bring you from Bucyrus, Ohio, to sit on a seat and look cute. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I'm just telling all of us. I want to shake us up. God didn't move you all the way down from Michigan so you can fill a pew and just sit in a seat. God moved you here because he wanted to anoint you with fire. He wanted to anoint you with passion. He brought you out of that church to this church to light you on fire again and say, enough of this apathy. I'm not going through Christianity just trying to make it through. There's fire for us. There's an unlimited flow of the Holy Ghost that can light you up and change everything in your life. But you got to draw near to him. Spend time with him. I'm not picking on my nephew. I love him and Joni so much. They're amazing, but they're so gifted, and there's so much more for every one of you. Mark, God brought you here to light you on fire again and to empower you with the word of the Lord to bring change. Three things to help you remove apathy, and I'm going to close. Here they are. Number one, reorganize your schedule. This is for everybody, teenagers, everybody in the room. Reorganize your schedule. How you schedule, how you choose your schedule would determine your priority in life. Okay, let's just check. Let's just check because I, I may be off. Um, what's his name? KJ? AJ. How many days are there from Sunday to Sunday? Seven. Seven. How many for you, Brian? Seven. How, how many for you, Jefferson? Seven. So a young guy, a business owner, and a young guy has seven days. How, how many hours do you have today? How, how many hours do you have in a day? 24. You're still 24? Yeah. 24. How many are you, Pastor? 24. 24. 
Joanne, how many hours? 24. 24. Hmm. You, you have the same 24 hours? How many you got, Skip? 24. So we all have seven days. And we all have 24 hours in a day. So you, you, you think somehow you can make excuses that your life is so busy because you're running businesses with an S. You got more than one thing going on and you're busy. And you got like real estate deals going through the roof and you're just everywhere. So I just don't have time. Are you, are you serious? We all have the same time. We all have the same opportunity. You got to reschedule your life. Let me just tell some of you something. This is this, 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 to get this out there. You just got to shut it down. Some of you need to shut things down. Just shut it down. Why? Because the oil is the most important thing. You, you think you're successful now. Wait till you're saturated in oil. It costs you something. God wants He wants you. Reorganize your schedule and spend time in his presence. This is the one place in scripture where God says it's okay to have excess. You can have enough. You can have more. Just get more. Be a hoarder. Get all the way you can get. Number two. The first one, first thing to help you remove apathy is to reorganize your schedule. The second thing is this. Just be real. You don't have to go in your secret place and, and talk about, oh, kind, gracious, heavenly Father, thee knowest that I would like to spend time with thee and would thou come. Why don't you shut up? <laughs> Ain't nobody talks like that. Just be real. Just be real. Just get in the secret place, shut the door, and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need more of your presence. Just get on your face and say, Jesus, I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in this room today. Just be real. Just tell him you want more oil. I want more oil in my life, God. Number three. Trey, if you could come up. Number three. This, 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 is, so, this is so vital. Three things to help you remove apathy in your, in your life. Number one, reorganize your schedule. Number two, be real and let them know that you're hungry. Number three, go into the secret place and don't come out until he comes. It might be three hours, but don't come out until he comes because in that third hour, when he shows up, it'll alter your destiny. It'll change everything. Don't come out until you're covered with oil. Daniel prayed 21 days. You can read it in Daniel. He prayed 21 days. And the angel showed up and said, the first day that you prayed, the first day, the answer was sent. But the prince of Persia held him. And wasn't talking about a physical prince of Persia. It's talking about a spirit that held back the answer. But he was willing to stay in there for 21 days seeking God until the answer came. Elijah prayed seven times. He said, go look again. Go look again. It's in 1 Kings 18, verse 44. Then it came to pass on the seventh time 
that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising of the sea. And he said, go up. Go up to Ahab and prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Seven times. Moses ascended to the hill of the Lord and he waited seven days for the Lord to come. It's in Exodus 24, verse 15. Then Moses went up to the mountain. A cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called out to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. What if God called you into the secret place for seven days? <laughs> Most of you think, oh, Lord, the world will fall apart. Like my business would just shut down. Everything would... No, because God knows you, and he knows your schedule, and he knows what you need to do. And I'm just telling you, if you'll submit yourself to the Lord and get in the secret place, he'll show up. He's always right on time. He's never late. here's, Here's the picture that I want to leave with you. When you go into the secret place with the Lord and you shut the door, turn off the cell phone, turn off the... The, don't try to answer emails while you're out in the secret place with the Lord and return phone calls and oh I gotta take this one God no 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 it don't work that way shut everything down go in the secret place spend time in his presence and when you do there's gonna come a shaking at some point in that closet in that secret place wherever you're at there's gonna come a shaking and when the shaking comes the olive tree will drop olives if you can get a visual of this the olive tree is going to drop olives all over the ground. And if you stay there, you stay on your knees, and you stay there, and you walk in this press, stay in there, eventually your knees and your hands and your feet are going to squash those olives. And they're going to press those olives, and oil will begin to saturate your life. He's calling us to interest. He's calling us. He says, hey, don't let apathy set in. Don't think just because you're at a great church and God's moving that everything is okay. It's not. You've got to press in. You've got to touch heaven. You've got to shake things. You've got to get in there. Say, I'm not coming out until God shows up in my life. And when you do, you can begin to become a hoarder of oil. And everyone that bumps you will get splashed with his presence. The love of God. Stand up on your feet. Amen. Amen. Everybody bow your hearts to the Lord. Please just close your eyes for a minute. Let me speak to all those in the room who who are outside. Maybe watching online. Your your faith level has just, you're outside. You know it. If Jesus were to come today, you're not sure you go to heaven because you're outside. And God says, listen, the door, I'm standing at the door, and I'll put oil in your lamp. I'll give you oil. I'll give you oil. But if you're here right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to count to three. It's just a simple thing that I do to help give you that courage to say, okay. It's kind of like when, when we have little kids on a, you know, we went at the water park and I had my grandson over there and I got him on the diving board and I'm down in the water. And I'm like, jump, Titus, jump. And it's like, he, he just can't jump. And I'm like, okay, Titus, I'm going to count to three and you jump. One, two, three, jump. And then he jumps. That's the only significance behind this. It's just trying to get you to jump and say, God, here I am. I'm going to count to three, and if your heart's not where it needs to be with God, teenager, come on, man. How many sermons you got to hear before God shakes your heart and says, come on, go all in with me. 
I'll wreck your life, man. I'll, it will not be boring. It'll be so exciting. Mom and dad that's living with apathy in your heart. Enemies beating you up, man. God says, come unto me. All you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Everybody close your eyes, bow your heart to the Lord. I speak to your spirit right now. You got a spirit. It may be, it may be neutral right now, but I'm calling your spirit out, and I'm calling it to come alive in Jesus. If you're here today and your heart's not where it needs to be with God, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand to the Lord. If you've been living in apathy, like total apathy, you've got, you're cold and indifferent on God, and you say, I know this is for me, I want you to lift your hands with them and hold them up to the Lord and say, God, that's me, and I receive your word today, and I know that you're changing my life. One, two, three, lift your hand now and hold it up to the Lord. Amen. Hands all over this room, all over this room. This is a message for the church. This is a message for the kingdom. Heed the call. Stop the apathy in your life. Stop it now. Come and let's worship the Lord. Come and let's receive. Come and drink from the well. Everybody with your hands raised. Everybody else, lift, look, your, look around. See the hands that are raised. Hold up. Let me, let, me, let me make it clear again. Go ahead, everybody. Put your hands down. If you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you about apathy or your relationship with God, hold your hand up right now. Just hold it up. Hold it up. All over the room. All over the room. Pray with me right now. Jesus Christ, I know you died for me. I choose to live for you. I'm asking you to take control of my life. I surrender everything to you. I trust you with my future. I know you died on a cross to forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking you right now, forgive me of every sin. Come into my life. Change and transform me into the person that you created me to be. I love you, and I give you my life. In Jesus' name.